What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Yo, yo, it's Johnny King. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. And in my virtual studio today, I have Mr. Miyagi. He is <laughs> my spiritual teacher. I am uh, Daniel LaRusso, whenever he and I meet. Uh, Chris Dumler, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, man? It's good to, good to be here. It's, uh, I, I feel like we need to start sanding some floors right now, uh, painting I, I, fences and stuff. Yeah, I feel like behind you, a lot of people like put up fake, you know, backgrounds, but you actually have yeah. what looks like could be your dojo back there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is my dojo actually. That's that's kind of what it. Uh, actually, this is this is in a way where a lot of things have gotten started for me. This 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 back scenery right here, and I I kind of love sitting in front of it i mean just like creatively just a lot of inspiration coming yeah yeah creatively you know i i ended up in this this is an airbnb i live in this weird kind of lifestyle right now where um you know i ended up in new zealand just before the country locked down yeah and uh the owners of this place and i became came friends and and uh so i've just kind of stuck around here most of the time and it's it's this has been the place you know it's beautiful man that's so pretty. Yeah. Um, well, it's been fun. Chris and I, we, we go back. You went to school with my older brother, uh, more or less, right? And then yep. we got into pranking people late at night to, <laughs> to you were my counselor at camp, to working with my bro and my, my dad back in the day. To Yeah. Yeah, we've got good history, don't we? Yeah, yeah. we got some history and then throw a 15-year hiatus or so in there. But uh, I want to get into what, what more of what you do. And we're going to talk about mindfulness and meditation and mm. uh, so many different things. But um, why, don't, why don't we talk about, just because it, I think it, it, it's going to connect. You reached out to me initially months ago because I wrote a couple of posts when I was really struggling uh, over this COVID year of like apathy, so much repressed anger being just kind of like a, a nice guy that never really lets, you know, any anger out. I was starting to really feel not starting to feel I've been feeling it all my life, but I was starting to vocalize the repercussions of that type of behavior on myself and on relationships and on my work and on my motivation. And I just thought it was really, really um, just loving and thoughtful that you reached out and said, Hey, you know, tell me about what's going on. And Maybe I can support you in one way, which has brought us all the way to, to this moment. But what did you, what did you see in my message enough on, on social media to want to reach out? Yeah, that, I, I remember that explicitly. Like it was super serendipitous in a way because 
I had been taking a hiatus from social media for, I don't know, a, a year or more at that point. Um, and so I was rarely ever on, mm. but there was um, a, a coaching group that I'm a part of that uses Facebook. And so I happened to be on there and I saw a post that you wrote that the one that you're describing and, you know, I had no idea really <clears throat> what you were up to or what you've been doing, but it just resonated with me and, and sounds similar to some of the things that I had been experiencing. And I had um, basically been having a lot of success with an approach to mindfulness uh, meditation that was life changing for me. And so I, I had this thought like, hey, maybe maybe someone like Johnny would be be curious about this too and that's what was the sort of catalyst to reach out and say let's 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 talk about this and see what happens yeah i appreciate you did uh so much just because I, and as i was starting to to post and vocalize more of that which i've not really in terms of being vulnerable on social media i've been and, and on my podcast i've been vulnerable up to an extent right mm. Well, then this just this year, 2021, I finally was like, you know, enough is enough. I need to kind of really put out there because I and once I did, people were like, really? Like, I, I would never have thought you'd be, quote unquote, human, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, I didn't know that you had emotions like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I can hide it pretty well. But uh, I think it's it's good for us to get into this kind of conversation and why this is such powerful work, because on different episodes I've talked about how powerful for me this year, especially meditation has been and mindfulness being present, just really being uh, very conscientious of how my body feels, where I, where my emotions are, what's coming up. And I'll tell you 10 years ago, I would never have been able to even to begin thinking about having the conversations that you and I have. Um, and so I want this conversation to be applicable to anyone, but I do feel like for men who think that they're really, really frustrated. Maybe they are shut down. They're numb. If they think that, oh, getting that promotion or getting more money in the bank or retiring or getting to some place and then they'll be happy. Uh, I think there's also part of them that really knows that's a lie, you know, like that's just a false dream. So yeah, it's a, it's a convenient dream. Yeah. It's, it's one of these things that I think we've all been told, especially in, in American society that we can um, you know, if, if we work, if we work hard enough and, and follow, you know, the script, uh, there's, there's something shiny at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And, um, we, we've heard the opposite too, right? We, we all have the, uh, metaphor of the hamster on the treadmill. So we know that that's a thing too, but we don't yeah. really always have an, an answer or an alternative to that. And I love that you're talking about these things. You know, you've been doing this on your podcast for a while now, this whole um, idea of being more conscious. I think you did a, a show with uh, John Fuller. Is that his name? Yeah. Your, your body is just yep. doing something on, on conscious kind of living more conscious life. And I think that's, mm -hmm. that's very similar to, to what I've been thinking about a lot and uh, putting into practice. Tell if you will kind of backtrack and, and let's, let's get into, you know, <laughs> a little bit more of what, what you do. You're, you're a mindfulness coach, correct? That's right. Yeah. I'm a mindfulness coach. 
technically, if you want to throw certifications on there, I'm a level two mindfulness coach certified through uh, Unified Mindfulness, uh, which is an approach to mindfulness developed by a guy named Shinzen Young, who's uh, now focusing on a lot of research. There's a lab at the University of Arizona called the SEMA Lab, where they're exploring mindfulness uh, using ultrasound. Uh, a lot of major universities exploring mindfulness right now. It's kind of the hot topic, right? Mindfulness, mm -hmm. it, it's showing up everywhere. It's funny, I, I walk through the uh, the grocery store and I think there's like four or five magazine publications that are all mindful something, mm -hmm. right? Mindful eating, mindful living, mindful whatever. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty hot topic right now. Uh, but I think sometimes that causes some confusion as well. Uh, but... Um, I'd, be, I'd be curious to hear how did you get into, or how did, you know, your previous <laughs> life experiences and the evolution of, of Chris Dummler bring you from Tinder to mindfulness? <laughs> yeah. Well, the same way if anybody gets anywhere, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Well, sort of just kidding. Not really. I mean, yeah. I, I, I started getting into... You know, I, I've I've always been uh, I've always had this. All right, we're gonna get all matrixy for a second. Like I've always this, had yeah. this this uh, feeling that something was a little bit off or not optimized in in my life, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe mm -hmm. life in general. I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. and so you know, going down the the path that a lot of people go through, especially as the internet has developed, and like how do you how do you be more productive? How do you, you be happier? How do you, you employ some of these mind hacks? It was always an interest to me. And then I started, um, I came across a guy named John Kabat-Zinn, who was sort of one of the early people that started to apply a lot of research to mindfulness in the US. Yeah. And um, he was talking at a bunch of startups and, and things like that that was kind of interesting to me. And so it, it got me into the, the, the practice a little bit he had a good approach to mindfulness where he defined mindfulness as paying attention on purpose in the present moment, um, mm. non-judgmentally, and that sort of stuck. But figuring out ways to practice mindfulness in a way that stuck or was consistent was actually pretty challenging. And so it was more of a dabbling for a really long time yeah. on and off. Um, you know, led to some breath work and exploring that area. You've got Weinhoff, Weinhoff and um, methods around breathing that I thought were pretty interesting. Totally. And, uh, and so, you know, I was, I was focused a lot on that area. But really what happened, all this kind of practice stuff, uh, I've been living this life experiment over the last two and a half years now, almost three years of... Um, you know, living a life that's uh, kind of separate from a lot of attachment. And in this process of, of kind of feeling that I was getting closer and closer to happiness, I was sitting in this ideal place in New Zealand during the pandemic, probably one of the safest, happiest places during that time in the yeah, world. True, true. And, um, and yet something was still missing. Like all my needs were met, like everything was checking the boxes, but something still wasn't really right. Mm. And so I'm sitting, I was sitting out back here one day. In the dojo? And 
in the, <laughs> the dojo. Yep. And this yep. is this is not uh, this is actually not my my first trip to this particular place. So yeah. this was a, a prior trip, and um, you behind me back through that foliage. There's actually a river that runs through, and the the sun rises up over the mountains behind me. And so I was I was sitting out there. Um, practicing some meditation that I was using the same way a lot of people use, which is a, the app called Calm, right? There's Calm and, and Talkspace, all these apps that are now introducing people. And so I was listening to, to a meditation, and um, this meditation was uh, a guest meditation that I think I, I just found or stumbled on mm-hmm. called Mindfulness for Daily Life. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, that sounds cool. I kind of need that. And as I'm, the sun's coming up and the, the water's flowing and I'm kind of in the zone with the noise canceling headphones on, this, uh, this guy Shenzhen says, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do this meditation with our eyes open today. And this is mindfulness for daily life. And we're actually gonna pay attention to all of these things that are, that are happening. So it's you know, about employing this to your everyday mm. scenario. Mm. And as ideal as this situation was on this the surface, and it is certainly something to appreciate, I had this nagging feeling that uh, I wasn't really putting mindfulness to work in a realistic way, right? Mm. Of course, mindfulness is going to be good in that scenario. Mindfulness is going to be great when you're, you know, you're, you're, you got the noise canceling headphones on and, and everything is perfect. But yeah. what's mindfulness like when you've got to deal with a hostile relationship or you're deal- sitting in traffic or you're trying to communicate with somebody that you love and you're just missing the mark totally. or you're trying to perform your best, you know, in your, in your sport uh, and you, your concentration is all over the place. Like that's, that's the real scenario right where the rubber that's the real road. scenario mm-hmm. that's where the rubber meets the, the road mm-hmm. and so i had this kind of realization that uh, I, I wanted to change things and start to learn to put this into practice in a way that could be you know deployed in an instant anywhere and that had to go beyond the app that had to be that had to go beyond sitting in a perfect you know, location that had to go beyond a lot of these factors that were making me feel restful and calm, but weren't leading to happiness in the real sense of the word. And what I mean by that is this idea of, of happiness. There's, there's two kind of ways we can pursue happiness. One is happiness that's dependent on conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I make all that money, I've got that beautiful life, that beautiful car, all this stuff out here, dependent on conditions. And that does bring about some happiness, I think, for a little bit of time. But there's another way to find happiness, which is happiness independent of condition. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty appealing to me. So it may be a a long-winded way of explaining this journey, but but that's really what got the, the ball rolling for me. And I dove in pretty deep and then started pursuing this approach mindfulness and learning those techniques and and more importantly i was interested in in sharing with others because i started to see some some effects in a relatively short period of time with some some consistent practice um stumbled on what i what i felt was some secret sauce and 
that's that's uh, you know, somewhere post that is when I reached out to you and said, hey, let's let's chat about this and see if we can align our different approaches to 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 this together and see where they fit. Well, I think it's uh, it's beautiful because it, it mirrors a similar journey that I've been on, which it's not that everyone goes on this journey, but I do feel like sometimes, um, yeah, just just seeking that uh, that carrot, you know, in pursuit of that, you know, we're running, we're like, you know, dogs on a track chasing a, a fake rabbit <laughs> on the inside of a track, and and thinking that once we get there, then we'll we'll be happy. And if anything, it's just, it's exhausting. It's never ending. We're seeing our, I feel like I, I see my life, you know, <laughs> passing me by and not a ton of uh, experiences or fulfillment to where I'm proud of the life that I'm living, you know? So then it yeah. makes me think there's gotta be a different way because this, this doesn't work. Yeah. Like I'll get the new iPhone. Cool. This makes me happy for 24 hours. And then I'm like, eh, cool. It's my, it's now just my new, it's just my phone. Right. So the things, um, just don't lead to lasting fulfillment. And so that's why I feel like the, the whole topic of mindfulness is really good because similar to you, whether I did, I did the, uh, what's the other app that's so headspace app headspace, for a full yeah. year and I did it, mm -hmm. but I would often just check it off. And I don't like check it off the list, the to-do list. And I wouldn't feel like it had lasting effects throughout my day. And I still fall on this, don't, into this trap, don't get me wrong, of thinking like, okay, I got to carve out half an hour to an hour worth of meditation because that's kind of how I prefer to do it, you know? But it's just like, yeah, I'd love to work out for an hour, hour and a half. But if all I got is 15 minutes, that's certainly better than nothing. Right. So the, the micro hits that we've been talking about that you've been coaching me with, I think is really, really relevant because it allows you to, to your point, have mindfulness and a, and a daily practice where you can take 30 seconds, no matter where you are, if you're in traffic or if you're, you know, in a meeting at the gym, wherever. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There are a couple of things that you touched on there. I think are, are, are really useful to consider. I mean, you know, one is, and even even when I was talking about this idea of, of happiness and chasing the carrot, we we often default to the the big obvious things as as you know maybe misdirection like chasing the fortune or whatever. But right. it's it's often the subtler things that are really taking us off the path. Mm. We go, okay, I'm just going to pursue one more bit of knowledge, right? I'm going to chase one more thing that's going to give me the information that I need to be better in life. And we go down this rabbit hole of, of doing these things, thinking that if I'm a little bit smarter or I learn a, a new t tactic or something, that's going to make it make it that much better. And I, I think there's some risk in that. It's it's certainly um, a way, I think, to to, you know, pursue things and maybe it does lead to some you know insight and, and I'm not suggesting that you know that needs to be stopped but it is something I think to be aware of <clears throat> and mindfulness practice is one of those things that helps us say okay maybe I'm going a little bit off the rails here um, and and I can rein it rein it back in and then to this idea of of being uh, you know strategizing around the practice is, is something that's important in, with me and my approach and the way that I, I coach others too is like can we can we put a strategy in place that's going to fit 
what our lives are like, which, you know, for everyone, it's, it's a little bit different, but most people aren't, you know, filled with a sense of abundance of time where they can, you know, practice for long periods of time and get that nice, you know, stereotypical, um, or whatever it is they think they're going to get. And so instead it's like, Hey, can we do some things like this concept of micro hits where we're going to do little bursts of practice scattered throughout the day? It might be 30 seconds. And a lot of people are doing this already, right? You go for that nice nature walk and you're paying attention to to the, the way the lake looks or the breeze through the trees and you stop for a moment and you're like, I'm really feeling something here. I'm connecting, I'm, I'm paying attention, I'm all in on this experience. Mm-hmm. Like that is mindfulness practice. People are doing things a lot. I was talking to a woman the other day who's who's got a practice, she's got a newborn baby and she's just feeling this connection when she's holding her child, um, you know, breastfeeding, and there's this connection, and she's just soaked into that, absorbed into that, and uh, I think there's something pretty special there. And if we can do that with some intention and maybe apply a little bit of technique, then we develop the skill that is uh, retainable. You know. Yeah, I think that's the <clears throat> that's the key is uh, just like anything else is a lot of things that bring the lasting results to, you know, require consistency. They can be sometimes perceived as boring. It's it's like we were talking about off, about offline. It's the basics or the fundamentals, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, you look at John Wooden, right? John Wooden, the winningest NCAA Division One basketball coach of all time, 10 out of 11 championships and he credits all like what's what's the secret sauce he's like i just taught the fundamentals layups and free throws and proper shooting form and you know just the fundamentals and and i think that's uh at least in this day and age where so many of us are attracted to the shiny new things you know versus just sticking with the tried and true but it's kind of boring and yet you can get consistent results out of it, you know? So how does that apply to kind of the mindfulness practice in terms of the, uh, the basic? Yeah, practice? I think it's definitely what I've been thinking about is, is um, <clears throat> simplifying, kind of going back to these basics, building these, these basic skill sets. And I think mindfulness is a, is a set of skills. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, the definitions of that uh, Univide mindfulness has for mindfulness. It's probably worth, worth covering uh, mindfulness means a bunch of different things depending on the context and who you're who you're talking to but the definition that we work with is uh, mindfulness is a set of three attention skills and those are concentration clarity and then something called equanimity basically the ability to concentrate on focus on what you want to focus on clarity being the ability to know what it is you're concentrating on and and what you're focusing on knowing the difference between something you look at you see or mental talk something you hear inside your head knowing the difference and then equanimity is this idea of 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 being able to welcome and allow uh, any experience to kind of come and go uh, without this need to you know push it away or pull it. Uh, it contrary to popular belief mindfulness or meditation isn't always pleasant right like the idea is like we're going to sit there we're going to get relaxed and for some people 
that's the case. And depending on how you practice, you can use techniques that are intended for that relaxation. But mindfulness practice overall can be pretty turbulent and sometimes not all that pleasant. Uh, but by developing the skills to be okay and non-judgmental and allow some things to you know to surface as they're going to surface um, is a part of that practice and that's part of that you know building that basic structure for dealing with anything that comes to our experience anything we're going to perceive through our senses um, that's that's mindfulness I feel like that can be a challenge for a lot of guys because I mean human beings in general obviously we, we love to control I think that's probably our, our greatest addiction in this human experience is trying to control things that we can't, but especially for men and the ego, I'll just speak for myself. Like there's, there's times where I, I just don't want to surrender. I don't want to, to relinquish that control that mindfulness kind of requires <laughs> for there to be any growth in it. And that probably was what, kept me from making a whole lot of progress when I was doing headspace for a year, just because I was like, I'm, I'm trying to control the process and, and then getting frustrated because I think it should be working out a certain way versus just surrounding it. And that, that has to be one of the harder things to do literally is to just sit down and meditate, you know, <laughs> whether it be for five minutes or 50 minutes, it's like just surrender to, cause I feel like I got to get all this stuff done, you know? Yeah, maybe, but I, I would take even a step back and say that, you know, the mindfulness practice is, is recognizing this idea that you want to control. So you don't have to make these things go away. Like mindfulness is not, it's a little bit out of the scope of mindfulness to be um, a, a tool for uh, explicitly changing behavior, but it does assist in that process. And so, you know, if you, if you have this tendency to control things, the, one of the first steps in mindfulness practice is, is okay, let's see if I can pay attention to when I want to control things, you know, and then control them if you want to, like, there's no, there's no dictated way that you have to do this or that it's can you be aware of these things that are happening and then you can respond to them however you decide to right rather than being driven in this unconscious way or not being aware of what's happening um, and then just reacting or you know dealing with whatever the result of that is so, so less judgment less judgment from the standpoint of this is right and this is wrong and more just yeah slowing down enough to, to acknowledge what you're working with and then and then to decide from that standpoint from that decision yeah. point right yeah most, most mindfulness practice not all but but a lot of meditative practices in general are observational in nature right you're just you're paying attention to some sensory experience so something that you see internally you know in your imagination memory plan fantasy something that you hear internally, uh, self-talk, you know, <laughs> songs stuck in your head mm -hmm. and something you feel internally, you know, some emotional body type sensation, as well as the external 
you know, compliments to these, the things you see with your eyes, your ears, and, and you, you feel with your skin and your nerves. So like we kind of break things down into this real simple way. We, we incorporate taste and smell into this feel category. It's just a little bit easier, but, but having a, uh, a sort of complete way to, to identify the sensory experiences that we're having, being able to break those down and observe them, uh, and then be able to do that in real time or close to real time, like that's the skill, right? Like if you can get to this point where, uh, you know, a lot of us, for example, in, in, I'll give you a personal example. So in, in, in my life, one of the things that I, I run into a lot is this frustration. Like when I'm, when I'm, when I've got a lot going on and I start to get this feeling of overwhelm, anxiety, it, it's, it's like super frustrating. I want to get things mm -hmm. done. Maybe I'm scattered. I don't know where to start or I don't know where to finish, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. One is that one way to go through life is that frustration just is just a part of the process and you just kind of like burn it out until, um, you know, you, you give up or you get somewhere where you, you've, feel like you know whatever it is just happened but it's also can be pretty interesting if you can pay attention to that frustration starting to occur closer and closer to real time so that you can be like okay I'm, I've got this sense that I'm getting a little bit frustrated here and I know that that sense of frustration is tied to this idea of overwhelm let's explore that a little bit break that down into manageable bits so that I'm not just sucked into this giant knot of your terribleness, <laughs> right? So paying attention earlier and earlier in the process, as you start to develop these skills, um, you know, we try and move that ne that needle closer and closer to this real time goal so we can detect these things faster and faster, mm -hmm. respond more skillfully. Um, and that's, you, you can imagine the implications of that. I mean, it's better in your, your relationships, your communication, how you respond in your sport, whatever mm -hmm. you're doing. I recorded a podcast the other day with a guy that uh, used to fly, you know, it's kind of the top gun uh, for the Royal Air Force. And he had an instance where he had like a, a single engine catastrophic failure or something like that. And he just more or less talked about how his training just immediately kicked in. There was no fear. Right. There was no time to even think about what they were, I mean, fearing, right? Uh, and it just makes me think as you were saying that too, that that's the whole point of doing the fundament fundamentals, the, the muscle memory of shooting a basketball as it relates to doing meditation and, and the mindfulness practice is so that when the shit hits the fan, the training yeah. kicks in, right? <laughs> that's a great, that's a great example. Yeah. It's something that I, I tell people I work with all the time is like the, we train with the trivial and the mundane so that when the situations hit us that are not trivial or mundane we're able to deal with them mm -hmm. and that muscle memory component is certainly a part of that and as you train these things you do them over and over and over again um, there's there tends to be a relationship with that and that's that's the evidence that's coming in through a lot of this mindfulness research as well which is showing that there is some dose dependency meaning you know you do a little bit of meditation you do a little bit of practice it's good it's better than nothing you're going to get some benefit but if you scale that up um, it, it can have even more benefit. So trying to find, I'm not really sure where the, there, there, I don't know if there's a point of diminishing returns there. There might be, um, but you know, you certainly don't have to do loads and loads of, of time, but working, working out of that, 
you know, starting off with some small bits and being able to throw that into daily life accelerates time. That's another thing that I'm looking for is, yeah, I've got some time to sit and, and go deep with my meditation practice where I'm going to sit, the, you know, in, in a formal practice and, and do some work. But I want to accelerate my practice also. So being able to throw some practice points into, you know, when I'm out at the checkout stand or, you know, I'm, I'm boxing or I'm, I'm doing something else, um, you know, that kind of accelerates. It just adds to that time practiced mm-hmm. uh, and also leads to some cool discoveries and insights, which is, which is a part of that as well. So, yeah, you train in these different ways so that when you get into a situation where, you know, the shit hits the proverbial fan, mm-hmm. you're, you're able to deal with it in a skillful way and you don't have to, um, you know, spend a lot of time or at least hopefully reduce the amount of time, uh, you know, running around in an unpleasant yeah. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, going back to what you said before, and I should know this since we've talked about it so many times <clears throat> over our sessions, but you said concentration. What's the second one? Clarity, clarity, yeah. and equanimity. Equanimity, sensory, okay. sensory clarity, and equanimity. Those are the three attentional skill sets that we try to develop. They're the basics. These are the basic things like concentration. You know what you're describing, even with the pilot, is you in sports we call it being in the zone, right? Yeah. You get into the zone, which is really just a way of describing heightened state of concentration. You're so concentrated. Uh, that you're able to deal with anything that's happening in, in your situation. Uh, and so trying to develop this state of concentration is a part of that process. Uh, and another thing that happens with concentration is the more concentrated we are, tend, uh, people tend to relax in that state. So mm-hmm. high levels of concentration tend to lead to relaxation. Uh, it's kind of a nice little phenomenon that happens there. Yeah. And then just that clarity component, again, is, is being able to uh, really take advantage, do a little bit of, um, it's a little bit of an analytical process, you know, to kind of evaluate what it is you're paying attention to uh, and to know when you're not paying attention to it. So like the basic building blocks of a, of a meditation, if you look at something like breath, like breathing meditation, mm-hmm. that's what people are familiar with most. The idea is, is you have a focus object in this case your your breath you you take a breath you focus on some aspect of the breath people are usually taught to focus on the sensation that comes through their nostrils or maybe the rising and falling of their chest um, or the out breath in some way mm-hmm. you pay attention to that and as soon as you notice that you're distracted you know your mind has drifted off into thought or whatever as soon as you detect that then you bring your attention back to your breath right that's that is essentially like uh, doing a, 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 a push-up or what they call in New Zealand a press-up mm-hmm. uh, where you, know, you're, you, you have a focus, you're distracted, all right? You've got one aspect of that push-up, one, one motion down, then you push you up, that back and forth between distraction, object, distraction, object. That's what strengthens your concentration. You build that concentration over time by doing that over and over and over again. Mm. Um, so breath work, a lot of people don't realize that that's what they're actually developing, but they're developing concentration by doing that. And that concentration is bringing about a little bit of that rest. 
being able to detect quicker and quicker when your thought is pulled off into that distracted state. That's part of that sensory clarity. And then being okay with that whole process happening and not being like, oh, I'm a failure at meditation. I'm always lost in thought. And all these things that work against you is the equanimity component. There's no no judgment there. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in our approach, I use breath often as a example, but I don't do a lot of practice with breath. And this is because <laughs> I don't really love doing breath work, to be honest, as much as I've done with it. Uh, I've had my nose broken so many times through various sports um, that uh, focusing on my breath is not always comfortable. And so having other alternatives to focusing on the breath is really, really helpful. Mm. And it turns out you can actually use just about any object. as a focus object, whether it's a, a sense like a sight or a sound or something you feel. Mm. Um, other other common objects are, are mantras. You know, people will count or they'll, they'll have phrases that they say or images that they turn to. There's, there's uh, I think it's what, Turkish, the, the whirling dervishes, or what are they called, whirling dervishes? They just spin, these people that just spin around and around and around. It's basically a meditation practice where the movement yeah. is, is a part of that, so mm. yeah. Well, what I liked about what you said too is I feel like there couldn't be uh, many, many more powerful practices. I think at this in this day and age, than to increase your ability to to focus. When every single guy I talk to says one of their biggest challenges is diffused focus and and all yeah. these distractions and notifications, and some of that is practical in terms of turning those things off. But, uh, but even still, I find myself, I'm working on something and I just naturally, I start to like struggle with like, okay, how am I going to write this? And I just swipe to the left just to look to the next desktop to see if I have any new text messages, you know, that came in and I'm yeah. like, nope, I swipe back or I swipe back to see if I have any new emails and I swipe back or I swipe to look at my calendar to see, it's just like, just stay <laughs> focused. <laughs> God damn it, Johnny, you know? <clears throat> yeah, and what's interesting about that is, is so, so my background before I got into mindfulness coaching full-time was you know, tech startups, and, and our goal was to steal your attention. In fact, when people start talking about businesses and then you start looking at competitors, um, the, the competitor, it, startup, especially consumer tech companies, all these little apps that are on your phone, like the competitor is not other apps. The competitor is your attention as a consumer. That mm-hmm. is the competitor. We're always competing for your attention. So technology is designed to help us, but it also works against us. Those little little numbers that appear in every corner of, of every app on your phone is designed to, to create a reaction, a psychological reaction that compels you to go in and interact in some way. And notifications are designed to do this. Email marketing, all that stuff is designed to steal your attention. And let me tell you, a lot of these big companies are working with psychologists that are they, they know how to break you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's out there. And so what do you do with that? Well, some of it is um, you know, I mean, we can willpower our way through some of it, but and, and sometimes that's necessary. But I think a lot of it is just recognizing what's happening and getting better and better at recognizing what's happening so that when, yeah, you're swiping on that, that, that's, that desktop screen or, the, or picking out the new browser tab or whatever it is you're doing, at some moment you catch yourself and you're like, wait a second, 
you know, something's actually happening here with my attention and maybe I need to take a break, step away from this for a second, um, maybe do a quick breathing meditation, maybe just focus on something else for a minute, mm. get out of that mindset and reset, um, you know, so we can go back in and be more productive and more concentrated and then building up some skill just in general, uh, which, you know, focusing on something for as long as you want to focus on it, being able to get in the zone so that these other distractions just don't, you know, bother you as much as part of the practice. It's hard. It, I'm not saying that, that this is easy. Um, and, and it's why I call them skills, because these are things that we can develop, but they don't have to be random. And yeah. that's the important thing to remember. Yeah, I think making this whole conversation applicable is, is important. Um, because I, the irony for me is that I, I focus so much of my time, my brain works in such a way that I'm always looking for like, what's the most efficient way of doing something, you know, like, Oh, yeah. I'm going downstairs. So I should probably grab, you know, this bag and, and the, the garbage <laughs> yeah. and oh, I, I should grab that too, you know, so I can only make one trip. And then there's other times I sit down, I'm so inefficient with the work that's actually important, you know, to, that would move my life along, but I'm really good about being efficiently <laughs> cleaning my house or having all the things that are within my control. But it's the, it's like when I run up against resistance of some kind, then the, that efficiency kind of goes out the window that that ability to concentrate and stay in the game for me can struggle, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm wondering if you, I mean, is, is that something that you feel like is, is pretty common? Do you feel like you've run into that? Do you feel like you've had other clients that have run into that? Or is that yeah. 100% common. This is like, like every, every human being on the planet, right? Like yeah. it's, it's so rare that somebody is, is ultra concentrated and isn't distracted by, you know, all the things that distract us, whether it's technology or, you know, our, our kids or our family or our, our thoughts and our desires and all this stuff like this is all part, all part of the process. And, um, you know, mindfulness practice is about recognizing these distractions or these things for what they are, being clear about what they are and being okay with what they are. Uh, it's, it's okay if, you know, it's okay if I want to be efficient all the, you know, and I, and I want to go and do this stuff. I can pay it like I'm, I can have this, this experience and um, I can be okay with that. And once I start to internalize or sort of um, understand when I go into certain modes or when things start to, you know, distract me or, or, or work against me, um, then I can take action with that mm -hmm. and and i can move in a direction that maybe makes me a little more concentrated or a little bit more focused or i could take steps to do this over time it doesn't have to happen right away mm -hmm. i think just being aware of it is like a huge part of the battle right like just knowing that it's happening is a huge part of the battle yeah and i feel like something that i i've been really focusing on is uh just in, in every aspect of it, just minimalism and realizing that so, you know, just with so many, like literally going through my phone and eliminating 80% of the apps that I don't use, you know, um, mm -hmm. or just the, the, the stuff in my house, you know, just getting down to the bare essentials of, you know, what 
what makes what inspires me otherwise trying to keep things as <laughs> as uh yeah i guess minimal and simple so that i don't get overwhelmed by things because i i can easily get overwhelmed and, and frustrated like you were mentioning before uh and so i've been working on i think you've talked about it at the very beginning kind of this like ditching attachment you know attachment to yeah. things i've been really working on that too because we're all going to give it up anyways when we die so <laughs> why do i why do i find you know a sense of identity attachment to things and um but how does that how's that been playing a role in your life as you've been on this journey of of letting go of your attachment to things yeah it's it's a strategy and i didn't realize when i first started that experiment that or this the experiment that i'm in right now like i didn't i didn't realize that this is a strategy i didn't call it that mm. um, i thought it was a solution uh so just some some big picture stuff in, in 2019 my wife and i quit our jobs and we decided that we were going to get rid of all of our possessions and so through uh you know selling stuff online and donations and giving things to friends we got rid of nearly everything we owned which mm -hmm. um was quite terrifying to sure. be honest sure. like <laughs> <laughs> like letting go of, of things that have been carrying around forever, photos and journals and all these things that you might deem are really important. I just decided for myself that I was going to let them them all go mm. and um, collections of things and you know cool things from from the past. Yeah, I just felt like it was time to 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 let that go. And, and again, like I thought this was a solution where I was going to simplify things and move towards um, really getting more comfortable and familiar with what was important to me. And so the thing I did end up keeping tended to be around those interests. Um, you know, but now for the last couple of years, we've been leaving, I mean, the things that I own fit into a you know, 90 liters of space, right? Like, like a suitcase and a backpack. And uh, I, I look the same every day because I have about two outfits, <laughs> but like it simplifies things. Um, in a, in a way that has become really meaningful uh, as a, as a part of this process of course i started to think about how much i was consuming um you know prior to this what that was doing to me why i was doing it i, I don't really love the the why question it tends to be a little bit judgmental but mm. um but thinking about what was happening it, in, in spending and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of a mindful practice that I was doing before I was doing it with any technique, but realizing that there was you, my, my use of, um, you know, buying things off of Amazon was really uh, a form of control. I think most of the time I, whenever I, I noticed that whenever I felt, this is something that happened. I, I did a, a long trail uh, called the Pacific Crest Trail. I didn't finish it, but I did, uh, most of California and then did the Oregon Coast Trail. So I was on trail for months and there were a couple of times where we had a really tough year and um, things would feel out of control. And one of the first places I would go to is like Amazon because I'm going to buy some gear that's going to help solve me out of this problem, right? Mm. Uh, put a drop to the to the next location. And, and it was sort of silly. Like I, I often didn't fall through with the purchases, but I started to notice that that was what was happening was when I felt like I had no control, I would try and buy a solution or turn to some information or something like that. So um, having that realization was really helpful and, and started shifting 
uh, away from that as solutions and, and more towards sometimes sitting with a really uncomfortable problem, but working, working through it, yeah. uh, you know, just more matter of factly, that was really helpful. So yeah. that was part of that attachment thing, getting rid of everything and then moving on this. And now it's just kind of stuck. And, and now it's, it's really interesting because I have a very visceral reaction when it comes to buying something now. Hmm. It's uh, it's not a it's not a negative thing, but it is certainly like a really thoughtful thing. Like, okay, I'm gonna buy like this this hoodie I'm wearing right now is actually relatively new. It's 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 um, winter here. I had an old hoodie that I've been wearing for the last like six years, and it's finally kind of you know worn out. Um, and so I needed something new, but like, I, I kind of, I didn't agonize, but I spent like a couple of days before I pulled the trigger, like it was on sale, right? It's got all the right ingredients. I'm pretty sure it's going to last, you know, it's got some good principles in terms of, um, you know, materials that are, that are, uh, behind it and who made it and these things that normally wouldn't have been in my experience. Like I never really cared about much of that. Now it's actually far more important because I, I purchase things so infrequently, uh, that I, I want to make sure that it's it, it lasts and it's you know it's quality and you know there's some ethics behind it and things like that so it's just a part of it part of the change something I'm going through and yeah I don't know <laughs> well along, along those lines I think something that, that a lot of guys and a lot of human beings in general could along that like a same that same vein is if, if they took just as much time and care and mindfulness in thinking through what they actually consume in terms of their nutrition would yeah. have a massive effect on the clarity of thought and their energy and everything else that attributes to their practices and their way of being in the world. You know, um, it's a, it's a part of it. Food, food is a big, big, um, I would say a request. It's, it's not my specialty, but I'm, I'm working with someone now who's dealing with food. Um, if, Food is tricky in a way because there's a lot of uh, there can be a lot of psychological things that are going on in there. Totally. And and so um, you know we, we work what what we're working on with this particular client is kind of sitting with the experience of eating and, and using um, location. Like, what do you normally eat? What's your normal eating like? And let's sit in that location and kind of have this experience before eating something. You know, are you hungry? What are the sensations you're feeling there? Are you, mm-hmm. if we start to move toward the fridge, you're imagining what it is you're going to eat. Is there salivating that's happening? Like what's going on? Like all of these little things that happen that we don't normally pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And then we come back with an item of food. Maybe we're going to actually taste it. Going to slow down the process a little bit, employ some techniques during the eating process where we can focus on on the experience and really enjoy the thing that we're eating and not just like shoving it down um and then some post post eating experience okay what was that like is there's is there this desire for more that urge like i'm not done yet i I gotta have more or is that something that's subsiding like all these kinds of things that go through that process of just paying attention to what happens in the environment as well as uh you know actual consumption of food Mm-hmm. It tends to be, it, it's a it's a really interesting exercise. If anybody wants to try that, just like as you, as you get hungry and you walk toward the fridge, pay attention to what it is you're you're detecting in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 pretty enlightening. No, for sure, for sure. I, I I've really enjoyed the conversation just because I do feel like, um, you know, I feel like a guy could 
if any of this resonates where they're like, oh my gosh, this is a whole different world, a whole different conversation and focus on something that is just kind of going uh, on autopilot for them throughout their day. And they're always focusing on making money, providing, you know, doing all the things that maybe they're, but they're not feeling super fulfilled, kind of to your point. They, they checked all the boxes, things on paper looked really good, but there's still that sense of emptiness. I feel like a guy could get in contact with you and, and work with you in the same way that it'd be taking someone who doesn't know, haven't spent much uh, time in the gym, you know? And so you, yeah. you, you saddle up with someone who's pretty proficient in the gym and let them mentor you and coach you through the nuances of how the body works and how these tools or these equip these various equipment, you know, uses affect your body. And, um, cause I feel like to go about some of this stuff alone is, is, it's a lot to take on. Would you say? Uh, there are ways to do it alone. Like you, you pick up the app and you, and you, you know, dial it in and you, you know, get some benefit there. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think for a lot of people, that's the introduction that they're going to get to mindfulness. Yeah, but if, right. if somebody's ready to take that to the next level, where, you know, it, it is like you were feeling like it's just kind of going through the motions and it's time mm -hmm. to really uh, optimize the experience that we're having in life. So we can get closer and closer to this idea of happiness and what it really means and appreciate the things that are going around us, uh, going on around us, appreciate the people that we're interacting with, the experiences sure. that we're having uh, and really identify those with a good sense of clarity. We make these little moments that we have uh, last a little bit longer, right? Totally. Totally. And so think about all the life that you get out of making a moment last twice as long. Like it's, mm. it's pretty amazing. You're extending mm. your life in a way. So that's, that's part of this practice. We just take it to the next level. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm working with people one-on-one -on -one in, in groups. Everything is over zoom right now, but it's uh, one of the nice silver linings of the pandemic is that we don't have to be in person yeah. anymore. Uh, <laughs> True, true. <laughs> to, to, to get to get some benefit. I, I should I'm not trying to say I don't love being around people. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is pretty nice that you and I can do this and we keep, you know, chatting on a weekly basis when you're halfway around the world. It's pretty um, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's kind of crazy what we take for granted. But um, if if uh, if those wanted to, to just connect with you, what's the easiest way just to touch base? Yeah, so I'm, I'm testing out this new brand, right? Talk about rebranding. Yeah. Like I'm testing it out. I don't know if it's gonna gonna go anywhere, but people can reach out to me on on Mindier, M-I-N-D-I-E-R. So a little bit of happy, being happier, being a little more mindful. Mindier.com. Mm -hmm. um, if you go to Mindier.com, there's a link there to a Calendly page. You can pick a time. We can do a little 15 minute intro call just kind of see where you are what you want to do and then we can schedule something if you want cool love it mind also reach me chris at mindier i'm chris at mindier.com so easy peasy easy peasy well thank you man thanks for sharing your your gifts and and just again knowing like the the stuff that you've gotten into prior to this is like <laughs> one side of the brain versus the other side of the brain you're but you, yeah <laughs> you find yourself uh having that great balance of the, the analytical side, but then the, uh, just the, the flow state, you know, the, the meditation and the, the consciousness conversation and practices that I think do ultimately bring 
fulfillment, which is a lot of times what I'm talking about on the podcast, which is like, okay, we can achieve stuff, but then we also have to be fulfilled. And how do you balance those two things out? Cause you can't just have one over the other, you know, you could be a starving artist, but you're not providing for yourself. You got to do both. And so I think this, yeah, this there's a bit of balance a, there. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, practical wisdom in this. So thanks for sharing with the guys for sure. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. It's, it's great to be here and, and chat about this stuff and engage in the life experiment. I mean, get curious and, and do cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there you guys, uh, you guys have it, uh, with my Mr. Miyagi, Chris Dumbler, all the way from New Zealand. Uh, he doesn't have the, the mustache or the Fu Manchu, but, uh, he's just as, oh, I've got, as I've got photos somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> Check him out, mindyear.com, Chris at mindyear.com. Um, thanks, brother. Appreciate you. And we'll yeah. uh, see you guys on the another upcoming episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. Until we meet, have a great day. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.